Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you wish to hear other messages, they are available for free at our website and also as podcast or iTunes. Look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. There are many people with many different opinions on who Jesus is. Some people believe that he was just a good person. Others believe that he was a prophet. Some believe that he was a person that was just advanced for his time, like a scientist. There's also the concept floating around that he was just another son of God. Most Christians see him as a savior. The truth is, and by looking through the word of God, the person of Jesus Christ is much more than all of those things. He's even much more than a savior. And in order to gain everything the Bible says we could have from God, we need to acknowledge and accept Jesus for who he really is. If we don't come to that full realization and complete faith and conviction in the person of Jesus, then we will miss out on who God truly is and what he can really do in our lives. Please stay with us as we look together into what God's word has to say about this. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you. Lord, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. For there is no one like you, Lord God, and no one can do the things that you do. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you and I worship you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for the love and mercy and grace that you have given us through him. I pray, O oh Lord God, Heavenly Father, that you please forgive my sins. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your forgiveness. I pray for your mercy, that it may continue, O oh Lord, as faithful as you are. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may guide us now, that you may help us to understand, above everything, that you help us to have open hearts and open minds, O oh Lord, ready to receive what you want us to take in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 17 to 26, and this is the word of the Lord. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Although the miracle of healing is important within itself, the most crucial thing to try to understand in this passage 
is who was and is Jesus. This is by far the most important aspect in this passage because if we clearly understand who Jesus was and is, then we will understand what he is capable of and what he needs to be in our lives. That is the key. If Jesus is not real to us as exactly who he is within us through and through, then it is all for nothing. There is no salvation, no forgiveness of sin, no Holy Spirit indwelling, and no answer to life itself. That is how critical it is, how necessary it must become to truly understand who Jesus is and what he needs to be in us so that our faith in Christ can in fact produce the life and transformation that the Bible talks about. And together with that, produce the hope that we need in order to continue abiding on that faith. Everything is on the person of Jesus Christ. The first thing we need to see is that Jesus is an integral part of the Holy Trinity of God. And here is where using more accurate Bible versions come into play because for some reason, more modern Bible versions do not include this very critical truth in the Bible. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. This is the only verse in the Bible that clearly mentions, without a shout of a doubt, the existence and the composition of the Holy Trinity. The Word, Jesus, was and is God, and the three are one. And so Jesus is not just a savior, a healer, or a prophet. He is much more than those things. He is a divine and eternal being. Jesus was there at the beginning, and here is where John uses the term word for him yet again, because Jesus is the word of God. John explains to us Jesus' eternal existence, and that he has always been there. Jesus did not start existing when he was born into this world by the work of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so, it is very clear to see that this Jesus, this Word, always existed. And that all things, not just some things, were made through Him. He was involved with creation, or more precisely, the vehicle, if you will, that God the Father used to bring everything into existence. God spoke everything into existence. If we look in Genesis, we read that God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, and whatever God said occurred, took place, and came into existence through that power, through the person of Jesus. At the beginning of Genesis, there is a crucial truth that can be seen more readily in the Hebrew language relating to the person of God. In the creation passages, the Hebrew language uses a plural term for God, referring to more than one God. In our language, it becomes clear in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That plural God are the ones that created everything. That plural God is the Trinity. And as we mentioned before, Jesus is part of that Trinity, but even more precisely, the vehicle that made creation possible. If Jesus didn't exist, 
there would have been no creation. The Father and the Holy Spirit would simply just exist, but Jesus is the person of the Trinity that causes for everything to happen. And so it is very clear that this Jesus is much more than a man. It is actually an incredible miracle within itself that a human carnal body could have housed such an incredible and powerful being. The other truth we see in the Bible is that he is the one that had contact with man as the Lord all along. And not God the Father, as some misunderstand. Not to pick on a group of folks, but there is where Jehovah's Witnesses get it all wrong. They're mistaken. The Lord or Jehovah was and is Jesus. Jesus is not just a son of God, as they teach. He is not one more of the bunch. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. He is Jehovah God, the Lord of the Old Testament. The only difference is that Jesus mainly presented himself in his God form before. For instance, Jesus was the I am that spoke with Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 14, we read this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his faith, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, we need to compare this passage to John chapter 18, verse 1 to 6, where we see this I am revealed again. And what happens when Jesus just utters his Old Testament identity, where it says, 
When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place where Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received the detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Who are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. When Jesus mentioned himself as the I am, because that is what he said. Here we have a bit of an English language translation challenge, but nonetheless, that's what he said. They drew back and fell to the ground. They were unable to stand before the I am. That just goes to show also that Jesus, God, laid down his life for us. While the crowd was laying on the ground, Jesus could have simply just walked away. And quite frankly, if Jesus would have said his name, I am, at a higher power, if you will, they would have been consumed along with everything else around them. Jesus didn't need angels or the disciples or anything or anyone like that to protect him. If we go back to 1 Kings chapter 19, we see Jesus, the Lord, just passing by when he spoke to Elijah, where it says, Then he, the Lord or Jesus, said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a small, still voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? That was Jesus just passing by. That is very different to how he showed himself in the New Testament, right? But nonetheless, both Jesus in the New Testament and the Lord in the Old Testament are the same person, just different forms. Jesus was and is God. The problem that many have is that they penalize the Lord for taking on such a humble human form in the person of Jesus. That is the irony in things. They penalize God for taking on the very form that was needed to pay the price for all of mankind's sin. They look down on Jesus because of what he had to do in order to save us. People penalize God for loving them. That's the bottom line. That is why the incarnation of Jesus Christ is such an amazing miracle where God took the form of a man. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, it tells us this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The person of Jesus is God's supreme example of love, grace, and mercy towards all of mankind. And God did all of this without having any kind of obligation. The Lord from the Old Testament, 
the one who made the mountains break, the earth shake and things burn, had absolutely no obligation to do anything he has done for us. Who could ever make him? Yet he did it. He let go of his divine and almighty form to be born on this earth, to live in the humblest of ways and to die the most horrible of deaths so that we could be saved. And yet, Many have the audacity to penalize him for what he did because they can't bring themselves to believe in him as the God he is in the person of Jesus Christ. That is why sin is ultimately injustice. Is it fair to not esteem God because he humbled himself to such a level and gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, for our wrongs? He paid our price. Jesus didn't die for his sins. He died for the sins of the world, for your sins, for my sins. I cannot stress this enough. It is truly hard to describe the love of God and also our sinfulness, our foolish pride and our hardness of heart. Going back to today's key passage, this God was the one that stood before the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the crowd, the disciples, and these four men and the paralytic, the one that Jesus healed. The scribes and Pharisees were right that only God was able to forgive sins. And that is why Jesus did what he did when he healed a paralytic. He was and is God. Jesus, as the God he was and is, had the power to forgive sin and to heal miraculously. He had the power to even raise the dead like he did with Lazarus and others. Jesus was and is God. I say is God. Because we believe through the testimony of those that preceded us and the word of God that Jesus was raised from the dead and is now sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus is very much alive today and all of his glory and splendor. How does this apply then to us all today? What needs to happen in our lives so we can attain everything the Bible says we have access to through Jesus Christ? We need to believe in Jesus as the Lord he is. Our complete faith needs to be put on this Jesus, but as the one he truly is, as the one we just explained, as the almighty and eternal God, as the Lord. Romans chapter 10 says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. We need to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart with the center of our being. We need to believe in him and surrender our lives to him as the Lord he is. He needs to effectively and literally become our Lord, our God, our everything. And as the Lord he is, he needs to lead the way in our lives. His will needs to be done in us as the Lord God he is. Otherwise, if that condition is not met, then there is no salvation. A person can say that they believe in God all they want. They can do whatever they think that will save them. But the only way to salvation is by confessing Jesus as the Lord of their lives and in fact making him the Lord of their lives. Believing in him as savior or prophet or healer or a good person cannot save someone. Surrendering to Jesus as Lord is the only way that will give him ownership of your life so that in turn you can belong to him. That's the whole reason for giving your life over to Christ, so you can belong to him. 
We are not born children of God. We become children of God through faith in Christ. It needs to be a genuine belief and submission to Christ. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. When do you receive Christ in your heart? When you surrender to him completely and make him the effective Lord of your life. When you do as he says. In John chapter 14 verse 23 it says, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. That is why it is so important to understand completely and surrender fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to come to love him and to do what he says. Jesus as the Lord and God he is, is the only way to the Father and to eternal life and to all things that God has prepared for those that love him. For it is written, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you understand who this Jesus is, then you will understand that it is imperative, it is necessary to repent and convert from all of your sins and believe and accept Jesus as the Lord of your life so that you can have your sins forgiven and be saved so that you can have eternal life. For it is also written, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I challenge you today for your own good that if you have not yet come to God through the person of Jesus Christ, that you do this today, right now. Don't leave for tomorrow what needs to happen now because you never know what tomorrow could bring. Come to Christ today. Coming to Christ or being born again in Him is what causes the miracle of salvation. That is how you are saved. If you want to take this opportunity to surrender your life to God and gain eternal salvation through Jesus Christ, God is waiting for you with arms wide open. God desires more than anyone for this miracle to happen in your life if it has not happened yet. During such a time of turmoil and stress and anxiety and uncertainty, where we are surrounded by so many problems, God more than ever wants to change people's lives, make them new, different, and indwell them so that they can experience who He is and the power and peace that can only come through the person of Jesus Christ. Does it mean that life will be perfect from then on? But through the indwelling of the Lord God Almighty in your life, all things are possible. You will be able to face any challenge and know with certainty that you are safe in His hands and that eternity awaits you if you just let Him lead the way and do as He teaches you for your own good and for the good of those that surround you. Pray together with me this prayer, believing it with all of your heart and confessing it with your mouth, doing it with all of your faith and conviction and God will come into your life. Pray together with me right now and say, Lord God, please forgive me for all of my sins. I want to turn away from all of my sins and convert to you.
I believe with all of my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord, my God, and my Savior. That He died for me on the cross and that He was buried. But you, Father, raised Him from the dead at the third day. I want the Lord Jesus in my heart. I surrender completely to Him. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you faithfully made that prayer, the Lord is in your heart. You are no longer alone. He is with you. Follow Him through His Word. If you need some help with this, please contact us through our website. We'd be happy to help you in your walk with Christ. Now, I will pray for those of you that made this decision. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and worship you and exalt you for you are good and for your mercies everlasting. Thank you, O Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your Son, Jesus Christ, for the salvation and hope that we have through him. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because you want to change our lives. You want to make us different, Lord God. You want to fill our hearts, O Lord, to fill every void that exists in our lives, Heavenly Father. Thank you, O Lord, because you give us the opportunity for eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, for every person that prayed this prayer. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that they may know through and through as every day goes by that you are real, that you are true, and that Jesus is, in fact, the Lord of their lives. Heavenly Father, I pray for your power. I pray for, Lord God, that you may work in them in a mighty way, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help them experience you on a daily basis as you need to be experienced. And I pray for them and I pray for those that surround them, Lord God, that they may see your work in them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look through God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer or someone to talk to, please email us through our website. We would love to help. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.